Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Honored that you are here in this Wednesday night Bible study. For those of you that are watching online, thank you so much for joining us and letting us into your world. And we're here today or tonight in the house of the Lord, and we want to go before the Lord in prayer. We have several, several needs that we need to uh, bring before the Lord. And we want to remember Brother Sister Dodd's daughter, Kim, in prayer that the Lord would uh, touch her body, sick in her body. We want to remember Crystal and Heath in prayer that the Lord would touch and uh, strengthen and heal. Uh, we have several others that are under the weather. Let's continue to remember Sister Jones in prayer um, that the Lord would just continue the miracle. I did just receive a text message, and uh, Sister Lindsay is on the way to the hospital. So hopefully we'll have a baby girl sometime within the next uh, few hours. And so those of you that have been following her on Instagram or Facebook, her post today was, yes, I'm still pregnant. So uh, hopefully and prayerfully that's about to uh, change. Their world's about to change. And so we'll welcome a, a beautiful baby girl uh, into our world here in hopefully a few hours uh, but those of you that are here tonight and you have a special need tonight, we want to take these before the Lord in prayer. And uh, let's just lift them up tonight if you have that need. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we are here in your presence. I thank you, God, that you have walked in to this house to meet us here, Lord. Uh, we're not here by accident, but we're here on a divine appointment from you, O oh Lord. I pray that you would anoint the words that will be spoken. I pray, God, that you will minister and that you will move, God, in such a way that when we leave in just a little bit of time, Time, we can truthfully say we have been in your presence. I pray for those that are sick. I pray for those that are shut in. I pray for those, Lord, tonight, God, that cannot be here for various reasons. I pray a covering over your church and over your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen. Why don't you just clap your hands unto the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So glad, so glad you're here. As you remain standing, I'll read our text and jump right in. You should have received a syllabus that you can fill in the blank. Uh, James chapter 1, 2, and 6. My brethren, count it all joy. Somebody say all joy. When you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask, somebody say, in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. With the help of the Lord, I want to teach from this subject the profitability of problems. 
the profitability of problems. And I know that that may sound like a, uh, a different title, but I do believe the Lord has a word for us tonight. If you'll receive it, you may be seated tonight. As I began to study uh, for this lesson and prepare my heart for what God was going to speak to this church, I began to read and reread the book of James. I've been in the book of James for the last several weeks studying. And tonight I just felt led on this Wednesday night in December to look at how I and how we as a church can profit from our problems. Many times we look at our problems as a distraction. We look at our problems as a burden, and sometimes they can feel that way. But James is the most practical book in the New Testament, and it almost gives us a how-to manual for Christian living. I want to live my life. I want us to live our life according to the Word of the Lord. If you want to do that, say amen. And when I begin to read this afresh, and uh, I began to look at James's writing style and how he was writing all of the, the Pauline epistles are nothing more uh, when you look at Romans all the way to Revelation, they're letters to the church or to churches. So when you look at it, you would think the man writing the letter, you would figure that he would kind of warm up and kind of ease into the subject that he is, was going to bring, but when you begin to read the book of James, he just drops a bomb in, in, in chapter 1 and verse 2 when he announces who he is, James the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. In verse 2, he says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many times, of many kinds. How would you... Now begin to think about this. How would you like to get a letter handed to you that way? This is a letter from me, James. You've got problems, but be happy. Now, when you think about this, there's no way I could be happy. Or you, you don't know my situation, James. And but the but the key in the phrase, and we miss it. Consider it pure joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Here's where I want you to get tonight. Your attitude is determined by your understanding. Rejoicing is not just positive thinking, but it's based on facts. When we understand who already knows who we are, what we're going through, what we're facing, it can cause our attitude to shift into the proper perspective. And that's when trials become profitable. When we do face various kinds of trials, many kinds of trials, when our attitude and when our spirit is already anchored that he already knows. He knows what I'm facing. He knows what my children are doing. He knows what I'm facing at work. He knows where I'm at. If we can leave this service with an understanding, he knows. And if he knows, I don't have to worry. 
If he knows, I can be encouraged. If he knows, then I can get happy because he knows. But there's four facts that I want to bring out that will help you in this holiday season and as we get ready to go through the new year. When I began to study the the book of James and I began to see that, that James writes from an angle that can help us where we are right now. And I came up with four facts of life that we need to know about trouble and problems. Number one, if you're writing down. Because sometimes we feel like we're the only ones going through anything. We feel like we're the only ones that are facing what, what we're facing. But if I can help us with the, with the problems of life, number one, if we can understand, problems are inevitable. Scripture doesn't say, if you encounter problems, consider it joy. But whenever you can count on it, you're going to have problems. If you don't have problems, you, we probably want to check your pulse because problems are a fact of life. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Peter said, don't be surprised when you have problems. So if we can just settle the, the fact, we can count on it. Problems are not an elective in life, but they are a required course. You don't get out of them by saying you don't want to have any problems. Uh, nobody's immune. Take a problem vaccine all you want to. You're still going to get problems. It don't matter. It's part of life. Matter of fact, Scott Peck in The Road Less Travel, the first sentence in his book, he said, life is difficult. There's probably no other way to describe life better than that. Life is difficult. It's inevitable that you will have problems in life. I thought you was going to preach encouraging. I am. Just hang on. Problems, number two, are unpredictable. He says, whenever you face problems, that word face means to fall in unexpectedly. I wish I could program or I wish I had just some type of foresight of problems going to come tomorrow. I'm going to have a flat tire. My vehicle's going to run hot. I better be prepared. We don't have that privilege. Sometimes life just happens. When you look at that word face, it's the same word. In the Greek, it says to fall into unexpectedly. It's the same word used in the story of the Good Samaritan. When the man fell among thieves, it was, it was unexpected. It was unexplainable. Trials are not planned. We seldom can anticipate the problems we're going to experience in life. That's probably good because if we could anticipate them, we'd run away from them and wouldn't get the benefit from them. I just said a mouthful right there. We don't plan a flat tire. And I already said, we don't plan a family crisis. They're unplanned. They're unpredictable when we least expect them. That's what makes a problem a problem. Often it's inconvenient when you fall into it suddenly. I didn't plan on that. I didn't budget for that. I wish I'd have been more prepared for that. It's unpredictable. Number three, problems of many kinds. 
Problems come in all shapes and sizes. One thing about problems, you don't get bored with them because they come in a wide variety. Have you ever tried to match paint? We've got a couple painters in our church. The word for the Greek, many kinds, is literally multicolored. There are problems of many shades and many varieties. They vary in intensity, they vary in variety, and they vary in duration. You don't know when some problems are ever going to leave. You don't know when some things are going to get better. Some are minor inconveniences. Some are major crises. We have, they're all shapes and kinds. It's all colors and shades. It's about like Baskin Robbins. There's about 31 different flavors you can get at any time. Some problems are custom made, and we all know it. There was a sign that was, that was said, it was quoted from a sign, in every life, some rain must fall. But this is ridiculous. Somebody's saying amen about right now. It rains on the just and the unjust, but this is ridiculous. We need a little, we need a little relief over here. Ever felt like that before? Lots of varieties of problems in life. I'm just trying to help you. You're not going crazy. Because some of you right now think, I'm about to lose my mind because I don't understand. I can't figure out why or what and when's this ever going to lift and when this. Some of you just need to know tonight that problems can be profitable. Just hang with me. Problems, number four, are purposeful. I know you can't see that right now. I know you don't understand that right now. But I was reminded that no pain, no gain. Problems are tied to purpose. Pain, believe it or not, Brother Bryce, you're going to feel this after a major knee surgery tomorrow. But in a few days, pain can be productive. Pressure produces. Suffering can accomplish something in your life. Pain, problems, they have value in our lives. What, what do you mean value? I'm glad you asked. The three purposes of problems in any life. Number one, problems purify my faith. He used the word testing as in testing gold and silver in our text. You would heat them up very hot until the impurities or the dross was burned off. Job said, he has tested me through the refining fire and I have come out pure gold. Problems purify my faith. Oh, I believe, but I feel like the disciples Some I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. The fire burns out the unbelief. The problem when it gets in the fiery furnace, it burns out our unbelief. The first thing trials do is test our faith. They purify us. But here, ooh. Somebody say, I'm a teabag. That'll make sense in a second. Teabags are powerful, powerful, but you can't tell it by holding it. You don't know what's inside that teabag until you put it in some hot water. 
When you heat that water up and you drop that tea bag in it, something miraculous starts happening. That Earl Grey starts oozing out of that little filter. And you, you begin to say, my Lord, I thought it was hot water. But when, Brother Vesh, you put that tea bag in it, it changes the contents. It changes what's in the container. You don't know what's inside of you until things start heating up. You don't know really what's inside of you until problems come along and you, you understand, man, God, you must be purifying something inside of me. But it's on the other side of being put through the fire and put through the heat that your faith develops when things don't go like you planned. Your faith develops when you don't feel like doing what's right. But you do right anyway. It purifies your faith. We are like steel. When you're tested, you come out stronger. When you come through the fire, you come through able to withstand and persevere the winds, the rains, and the floods. Here's what I've come to tell you. God's more interested in building a disciple than he is in building buildings. I love this building right here, but this building is, is virtually worthless without you. What happens inside the building is, is what's important. What God is building inside of you, let me remind you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple. What he's building inside of you, it's God's house. This is where God lives. This is where God reigns. And our problems, I wish the Lord would have chose something different, but problems purify my faith. At the end of the day and at the end of our journey, our faith needs and must be rooted and grounded in him. You hear me say this all along. Sometimes we put our faith in our employer. And I thank God for our employers. But you could walk in tomorrow and get a pink slip. But he doesn't see, he doesn't cease to be your provider. He may use another source, he may use another, he may use another vessel, he may use something else. But but what we need to understand is he is. That's where faith has got to get to. The Lord, come what may, my faith is rooted and grounded in you. It's in him I live. It's in him I breathe. It's in him we have our being. If it's in nothing else, if it's in anything else, it's just mere, it's fragile at its best. We sow and we prepare for retirement. What do we do if a market crashes? What do we do if what we have in the bank is, is deemed vir- Do we want to go back to 1928, 29? I don't. Some of y'all were just being born then. I don't know. You weren't quite born then, but you've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. I learned it in history. It was a dark day in America. Just let me remind us. Our faith has got to be rooted and grounded in Him. And when problems come, it purifies our faith. Hey, this is one thing I need to remember. Do you know that God, if He employed a locust 
to drive out the enemy in Exodus? If he used a raven to feed a prophet sitting by a brook that would eventually dry up? If he sustained that same prophet by a little widow who was on her last meal? All of that was problems that arose, but it increased and it purified the faith of the prophet of the, even prophets need to be encouraged. Even men and women of God need to realize I am his and he is mine and he has my life in the palm of his hand. If he can speak through a donkey, if he can speak through a rooster, think he's not mindful of you don't think he doesn't know the affairs of your life problems purify your faith and here's the last here's number two of that portion on your syllabus when the problems are purposeful problems fortify our patience the testing of your faith develops perseverance He's talking about the staying power. Not a passive patience, but staying power. Endurance. The ability to just keep on keeping on. The ability to hang in there when it doesn't make sense. Come on, Job's wife. Tell your, this is the smartest thing to do. Just curse God and die. But Job said, you speak like a foolish woman. Who are you? This is developing my faith. My patience is being fortified and you don't even see it. The Greek word here is literally the ability to stay under pressure. I'm preaching to some people tonight that God through this last year has literally infused you with some, some stability and staying power, even under pressure. I'm still here. Hey, we're five days to Christmas. I'm still here. We're 11 days from a new year. I'm still here. Devil, you should have took me out in April, but I'm still here. You should have sunk my boat back in June. I'm still here. There is something about problems that fortify our patience to cause us just when we've done all to stand. Stand. When I've done all I can, I'm just going to stand. No, nobody likes pressure. We try to do everything that we can to avoid it. We run from it. People take drugs to try to escape it. Some drink alcohol. Some go on pleasure trips to try to escape pressure only to come back and the same problems you left are waiting on you when you get back. We'll do anything we can to escape pressure in life. And God sent me to tell you that maybe the problem that I've sent and the problem that you're facing is to fortify you. It's like making your mind up. I've got my foot on the rock, Sister Andrea. And my mind's made up. Though I walk through the lowly valley, though I drink from the bitter cup, I'm standing, I'm here, I'm not being moved. I will not, I'm like a tree planted by the water. God uses problems in our lives 
to teach us. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. God uses problems in our lives to teach us how to handle pressure and to never give up. Have you ever prayed for patience only for problems to get worse? I've realized when I look back, I'm a whole lot more patient now than I was a few years ago. I'll endure a whole lot better now than I would have a few years ago because my faith has grown and my, my endurance to stand has grew. How does God teach you patience? By everything going your way? No. God teaches you patience. On 565, can I get a witness? At 715, 730 in the morning trying to get to work. God will teach you patience in a grocery line. God will teach you patience at the DMV. God will teach you patience working with your children. God will teach you patience in the waiting periods of life. We live in a comfortable and a convenient society. Probably the greatest detriment to our society was the invention of fast food. One of the greatest detriments. Now we love it. We partake of it. But it created something in our culture. It's now how fast can I get you ordered, get you get the order made, get you out of that window, and I measured on my quickness. I measured on how fast I can go to the next. And we've lost the art of waiting. We've lost the art of getting in the kitchen and taking two hours to get supper ready. We've lost the art of the joy of the journey of making a meal. Because I can get a number three, be out of the line on a good day. Three to five minutes or less. We want it now. Somebody say now. We want our problems fixed now. We want our prayers answered now. First time we pray, we want an answer. When God doesn't know. Why, why, why haven't you answered my prayer, God? I prayed it. You should have. And we get so programmed. We want it now. We pout at God because he ain't answered our prayer now. God's saying you missed the whole purpose of why I put you in this season. Hmm. God teaches you patience in the waiting periods of life. Because we live in a comfortable and a convenient society, it has bred something into our culture and into the church. We want it now. At the touch of a finger, we can Google anything. We want something ordered, I can sit in my chair in my living room and I can have it in two days. It used to be, and, and my kids, we had this conversation this past week. I would ask for something October-ish or even earlier, maybe summertime. I would ask my mother and father for something. And the first thing, uh-uh, you got to wait till Christmas. Anybody remember doing that? Anybody remember getting a Sears Roebuck catalog? It's about that thick. And we'd go through and circle what we wanted. We had to wait till Christmas. That was the big day that you got gifts. 
But my Lord, I, I got a cart. My wife, babe, if you're in the nursery, I'm not looking. But I can promise you there's some stuff in the cart that all she's got to do is touch. It'll be here in two days. Matter of fact, there's a rule. You can't go into Amazon right now because some of your Christmas is in the cart. None of y'all's living none of this right now. But endurance is a rare quality. Can I get a witness? Endurance today is a real, it's a real quality and a rare quality. Don't like this job? I'll go get another job. Don't like that job? The days of people working at a job 35 and 40 years, it ain't happening. My mom and dad retired from the same, they worked at the same companies my whole life. One worked 35 years, one worked 37 years. We want something different. We want. And I'm not saying if you quit your job, that's a bad thing. Sometimes better opportunities, blessing, I get it. But endurance. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Lombardi said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So, if problems purify my faith and problems fortify our patience, I love this last one. Y'all ready? Got your pen ready? Problems sanctify my character. Ooh, it's about to get good right now. Problems sanctify. What, what do you mean problems sanctify? Oh, your problems have the opportunity to make me like Jesus. Now we sing the song, to be like Jesus, to be like him. All I want is to be like him. You know what happens? Problems help me mature. That, that was last week. But if problems sanctify my character and problems make me like Jesus and problems help me mature and problems help me to grow, there's profit in my problems. There's profitability in my problems. Do you realize the testing of your faith produces perseverance that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything? Are you telling me, Pastor, that if I don't have problems, that I can't be lacking in anything? No, according to Scripture. The testing of your faith comes through problems and trials. The long-range goal of God, His purpose in our lives, in our lives, is maturity. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. And in this Christian, in this spirit-filled life that we are called to live, character is the bottom line. Too many have absolutely no, no idea God's agenda in their life. They don't know what's happening, and as a result, they are overwhelmed by their problems. Now, sometimes I, I, I shake my head, I, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know, but if it's on God's agenda, it's on my agenda. If God said, it's already come through my fingertips before it ever got to you, I'm okay. It's going to be okay. God's got this. The number one purpose in your life, this, I believe this from the, 
from the Holy Ghost. God's number one purpose in your life is to make you and I like him. God is much more interested in building my character than he is making me comfortable. If God's going to make me like him, he's going to take me through some things like he went through. There were times when Jesus was lonely. There was times Jesus was fatigued. There was times that Jesus was depressed. There were times that Jesus was discouraged. There was, a there was times in Jesus' life where he was hungry. There were times that he did not have a roof over his head. There were times in his life where he was not understanding in full detail who he was and what his mission was. You must understand for 30 years he was a carpenter. He was trying to figure out what he was doing. And then all of a sudden he was led into a wilderness. Not only was I confused by the leading of the Spirit. Not only why did you wait 30 years and why did you wait. He was building his character to get him to a point where he could go on a 40 day fast. Where he could be tempted of the devil. So everything in his heart and everything in his mind and everything. Everything would be purified and purged so that when he came out, he went in led by the Holy Ghost, but he came out full of the Holy Ghost. See, problems sometimes, you're led into them by God, but when you come out of them, you're full of him. You're full of his presence. You're full of his spirit. You're full of what God intended for you. Problems sanctify my character. If I'm going to be made like him, he's going to take me through things. The Bible says there are two ways that God makes us like him. Number one, through the word of God. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. James 1, 22, 25 through 25. The word makes us like Jesus. When you understand through the word, it builds our character and matures us. But even if you read the Bible two hours a day, how many hours of your life are you not reading the word of God? God demands even more of us than what we are freely able to give. Because I'm competing right now in one hour's time. It's 735. We're going to spend about an hour together. But I'm competing against how many other hours in the day trying to rebuttal every lie the enemy has told you. Trying to rebuttal everything you've watched on TV or what you've heard on the radio or what you've seen on the internet. I'm trying to put into you principles. But when you get into that word every day and you meditate it on it day and night, what you're doing is sanctifying your character. You're preparing yourself. To be more like him. Through the word of God. This is how we're made like Jesus. And number two. Through the circumstances of life. Through the circumstances of life. James hits this right on the head. So many say everything was growing. Oh, if, I, if I've heard this one line multiple times. It's this one. Everything was going great when I first received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name, then all the problems came. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe I'm not even the person who I claim to be. Maybe I missed it somewhere in life. But here, your pastor, you're exactly where God wants you. You're in a character course. 
He's making you like him. So cancel all the doubt, cancel all the fear. You're right where he placed you. If God brought you to this service tonight, you're right where he, he wanted you to hear the word of God. And what Paul wrote to the church at Rome in 8 and 28, we know all things work together for good. Not all the things are good, but they work together for good if we love God and are called according to his purpose. The secret of this one verse is found in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to become conformed to the image of the Son of God. Why do all things work for the good in order to make me like him? Ephesians said, we are God's workmanship. God wants to make a masterpiece out of us. He wants us to be mature and complete and lacking nothing. That's the picture of Christ. That's what he wants us to be like. So this is what you need to know. And there are three things you need to do. Everybody handling this okay? How? Let me word it this way. I'm going to give you three things to do that's going to radically change your life by answering a question. How do you handle your problems? How do you handle your problems? Worry? Fear? Anxiety? Depression? I'll go back to fear of the unknown. Um, fear of tomorrow, worried about our children, been there, done that, um, worry about their future. I have one graduated college in a master's program, little worry set in, I said, no, uh-uh, we're not going to do this. She's right in the palm of God's hand, God's brought her this far, and today, God opened up an opportunity for her to do everything we had prayed for, one phone call, God handles what could have been an opportunity for us to worry and fear and fret. We wanted a, one direction, and I just never felt at ease about it. So we took it to God in prayer, and God just one door after another door, and here we are tonight. How you handle your problem. Well, I love getting on Facebook and telling everybody how bad my problems are. I love telling the world, how I, I'm just ready to have a pity. Nobody likes coming to that kind of party. Nobody brings presents to a pity party. Nobody does. So I'm going to tell you how to handle your problems properly. Now, some of you, you're going to lose your, you're going to lose your, um, you're going to lose your right to complain. You're going to lose your right to fuss. You're going to you lose your right to, you know, have a bad day tomorrow. Because you're going to remember what I'm going to say. How to handle your problems. Number one, rejoice. You mean I got to get joy? You mean I got to talk positive and I can't be negative? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. That's what James wrote that letter to the church. But let me help you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He's not saying be fake. He's not saying put on a plastic smile and just pretend everything's okay. 
God never asks us to deny reality. He doesn't mean some kind of psychological, you know, showmanship. We don't rejoice for the problem. We rejoice in the problem. There's a big difference. There's a, we don't thank God for the situation. Why would I thank God for something evil? But I thank God in the situation. One of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know God's will for your life, it's simple. In everything give thanks. It did not say for everything give thanks. Why should I thank God when I get a bad doctor's report? Why should I thank him for an accident? Why should I thank him for that fight with my spouse? Thank you for, I I just lost my mother and father. No. What kind of God do we think he is? The Bible says in, 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 I-N, in everything. Give thanks. Why? It means we can thank God because we know that he can even take the bad in our life and turn it around and bring good out of it. We don't see the good right now. But when you start rejoicing in the dilemma, in the circumstance, where you are right now, there's something about praise that changes the climate of the atmosphere. There's something about praise that when you do it, I don't care where the problem came from. You may have caused it yourself. The devil may have caused it. The problem may be from society that we were born into. But in everything, give thanks. God can use everything we're involved in, what we're going through. God can use it for his glory. For his glory. You know what makes the difference? You know how and why you can rejoice in your circumstances. And this is what some of you need to do tonight. We just need to loosen up and say, you know what? I get joy when I think about all he's done for me. Has God ever done anything for you? Has God ever has God ever healed your body? Has God ever made a way? I, I know where you're at right now is not what he's done, but but maybe you're in a place right now. You're wondering if your prayers have even got higher than the ceiling. Let me remind you, if he's ever brought you through whatever in life, he can do the same right where you are. The difference, hear me, the div- what makes the difference? Your attitude. Your attitude says consider it pure joy. The word consider it means to deliberately look at. It means to evaluate, to make up your mind once and for all. While I'm living in the present, I look to, fo- I look to the forward benefit of this problem. I don't know, I don't understand why you've allowed it. But consideration is a choice. Although I can't control the circumstances that happen to me in life, I can control how I respond to them. I can't control many times what comes my way. I can't can't control it, but I can control what I do. 
That's why on a Wednesday and on a Sunday, when, when we're all by ourselves, we're in a car, we're, we're on a job, we can lift our voices and lift our hands and say, God, in everything I'm giving you thanks. It's the consideration that trouble's not going to last always. You are going to complete what you started. He that hath begun a good work, you need to hold on to that word. I need to let my attitude shift and say, you know, he's got this. He's got them. He's got control of this. He's got the reins in his hands. It's how I respond. Here's what I've learned. Short life, almost 50 years. You get to choose to rejoice in the situation. Even when I don't feel like it. Even when things aren't going right. Problems do not automatically produce blessings. For some people, problems destroy them. You either will be bitter or better. The difference between bitter and better is in one letter, I. If you're going to be bitter or you're going to be better, it's going to come down to the I. You. It's what I do. It's the choice I make. I'm going to continue to go down this trail. I'm going to continue to. That's what I choose. But bitter and better is determined by what? I make the difference. I control my attitude. Problems break some people and make people brittle. It's how you choose to respond. I choose to rejoice in my problems because it's profitable. It's your choice to choose. It's your choice to choose. Number two, how to handle your problems. Rejoice. Number two, request. Somebody say pray. Of all times to pray, pray when you've got problems. What do you pray about? Verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who giveth generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. You ought to pray for wisdom when you're in the middle of problems. Why should I pray for wisdom? Why should you pray when you have problems? You ready? It's so revelatory. Because you won't waste an opportunity to grow. See, if you're not careful, you'll get bitter at God. And you won't grow. But if you embrace the season and you start praying for wisdom, wisdom helps you understand what's going on around you. Wisdom helps you understand. Hmm, I didn't understand that. But when I started praying, I started seeing things. And I started understanding where these spirits were coming from. I started understanding why this attack may have come, to, come from this direction. I don't want to lose an opportunity to grow. If I don't learn in this time and in this season, it's going to be one more lap around the desert. Ask the children of Israel. You're talking about a less than two week journey to the promised land that took them 40 years. Come on. They could never get it together. They couldn't quit murmuring and complaining. They, didn't, they couldn't get their mouth aligned with where they were going. Oh, Don't talk yourself out of your promised land. Don't talk yourself out of what is destiny awaiting you. What looks like a problem may be a promise in disguise. 
Now, that's from the Holy Ghost right there. What looks like a problem may be a promise in disguise. God will give you another opportunity. Learn from the problem. We become overwhelmed when we don't understand what God's doing. That's why you pray for wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. That's why. You want to know why? Those of you that have served under or been under our pastor, you understand. Pastor's always going to lean on the side of mercy. Because I always try to see life from God's point of view. How many want the judgment of God in your life? Even the best that you've lived. In the best of your best days. I still would want to stand before an unmerciful God. And if I don't. I want to stand on the side of mercy. I don't know if a person can have too much mercy. I want to flow from the, from the avenue of mercy. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. Pray for wisdom to understand the problem. One, one other thing I've learned in life. Uh, be careful the mercy you refuse in, unless you've walked in their shoes. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they faced. Be careful to issue judgment when you haven't understood the cost of mercy. Request. Pray. There is no situation of life that you can't learn from if you have the right attitude. Well, you don't know what I've been. You don't know that bitter divorce. You don't know what happened to me. You can learn from that if you have the right attitude. You don't know that rejection. You don't know that. But no, I don't. But he does. But if I have the right attitude, I can learn from it. And there's some things in my mind. I'll never go through that again because my attitude's changed. And when your attitude's changed, you don't have to ask why or what. Uh-uh. You can allow God, you allowed it. Yes, maybe I did make some poor choices. Yes, I didn't take life seriously. Yes, yes, yes on a lot of things. But if I can understand one thing, that my problems purify my faith, fortify my patience, sanctify my character, I'm not the same person I was 27 years ago. I'll get, and we're not, I'm going to use a football analogy, so please forgive me. And I know there's not a lot of Alabama fans in here. I got one, Brother Brian is. So, I don't, Do you realize the committee ruled against an undefeated ACC champion? And one of, the, one of the main points in all of this, to get them in the top four, I heard it say by commentator after commentator, yes, they had one loss. But one after that, I kept hearing, they're not the same team as they were in week two. They're not the same team. You're not the same person you were a few years ago. God's plan has worked in your life. Yes, those things happen to you, but how you respond qualifies you in the here and now. Some of you are holding yourself hostage to things that happened in your life 20 years ago. You're disqualified. You're not the same person as you were. Those problems have taught you, has molded you, has made you. Sometimes you just got to take a time out and say, okay, God, I'm praying. What do you want me to learn from this? Because I can't do this anymore. I can't walk this road. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over. What characteristics in my life do you need to develop in me? You might be surprised at what he says.
well, I've been trying to get that pride worked out of you. I've been trying to get some things. I've been trying to get that fear and worry out of you. I've been trying to work on But I'm so glad you prayed and asked and you've made a request that I'm willing to answer. Problems will cause you to pray. Everybody still with me? I'm coming down. I, I got the landing gear. How you handle repro- problems is rejoice, request, and some of you need to hear this five days from Christmas. Somebody say relax. <sighs> Just take a deep breath. You've got to trust God that he knows what's best for your life. Just relax. If I could give you a chill pill, I would, but I don't have none. <laughs> relax. Cooperate with his purpose so you don't shortcut the pro- short circuit the process. That's what is called faith. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. So you know what? I've just come... Just relax. Let God work. Now that's not an excuse for laziness. Don't, don't misinterpret me. But I'm just going to sit back and take my ease and say, no, I'm not talking about that kind of relaxing. It's a calm assurance. God's got this. I'm doing everything I know to do. I've done all I know to do. Now just relax. Take a deep breath. God's at work. God knows exactly what he's doing. It's not always easy to have a joyful heart in the middle of problems. I didn't say it was. Even when you think you have a joyful attitude, it's still difficult. That's why we pray for two things. Wisdom to understand the trial and faith to endure the trial. We've got to have both. James said you need wisdom to know what's going on and faith to hang in there and never give up. You'll never I want to say it in the right way that you, that'll just fall into your spirit. And when you leave, you'll hold on to this little nugget. You're never a failure until you quit. Don't let the devil call you a failure if there's still life in your body. I will close with a fantastic promise. Verse number 12, stand to your feet. Blessed is the man. Who perseveres under trial. When he has stood the test. He will receive the crown of life. That God has promised to those who love him. Your problems. May seem unprofitable. But I read read in scripture. That the reward. That God had. Excuse me. The problems that you see today look insurmountable. They look incomprehensible. We're going to pray and God's going to give you wisdom. But just know, when you've done all to stand, stand. When you've done all the praying, pray again. When you've relaxed, relax again. When, you, when you've held on to it feels like I don't know how much longer, just get a fresh grip on this scripture. God says there will be a reward. You're not suffering in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. God's got a reward for us. God's got a place already prepared for us. 
when we get there and we see the walls of jasper and we see the street of gold and we see the crystal river and we see the gates of pearl, we see all the splendor that was created for us. It will all pale in comparison until we see Jesus. Because when we get to see, when we see him, the crown that was placed on our head will be put at his feet. And we will sing and shout for eternity. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. I stood for him. I withstood for him. I persevered for him. If he did it, I can do it. That's what we're living for. To live for eternity with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I think the rewards are waiting on us. And it will be given to the people who quietly... Hear me. I think it'll be for those that quietly put up with difficult situations. And in the process, develop the character of Jesus Christ in their life. Just There's something to be said about faithfulness. There's something to be said about just worshiping when it doesn't make sense. Praying when you're all by yourself and no one else understands. Just doing what you know to do. You're building godly character to be like him. Would you lift your hands all over this house? I want to close this message. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I'm asking you right now, you're building character. There is profitability in our problems. We do not necessarily see it in its entirety. We look through a glass and it appears dimly. But Lord, one day we will see. One day we will understand. But God, as we pray for wisdom and we pray for understanding, I pray through our problems they will they will appear to us profitable we will reap if we faint not we will reap in due season if we faint not lord you are in control of the affairs of our life and you will you will see us through. Lord, I pray as we get ready. Lord, we get ready to celebrate your birth. We get ready to celebrate with family and situations, oh God. I pray the peace that would pass all understanding would cover us and keep us by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody say amen. Amen. Did everybody find and deem the, the, the syllabus helpful tonight? Did that help you? I hope you wrote down some things. I'm putting a little more extra time in getting this so you can write down and hopefully you'll take it home and study it and review it. Remember, all of our services, YouTube, Facebook, and even podcast. So if you, with podcast, let me explain to you, podcast makes it real easy. Uh, you can do other things on your phone and not be... Uh, captivated by just watching a screen, you can put it on podcast and you can text, do it. You multitask when it's on podcast. So just remember, all of our services are on podcast. You can go back and listen to. God bless you. Shake hands and be friendly. Our ushers have prepared our offering, uh, tithing offering baskets. And please don't forget Sunday, 10 a.m., be here at 9 o'clock for uh, coffee and hot chocolate and apple cider, one service. And it's also our Christmas for Christ designated offering date. I ask that you would prayerfully consider what you will sow into the kingdom as we march forward in our goal of $50,000 for the cause of evangelism and across North America. Prayerfully consider what you will give. God bless you in Jesus' name.